0: Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit pcaPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Good morning, everybody. We have an awesome show for you today i am nick slavic i'm the proprietor of the nick slavic painting and restoration company i am also the host of this show ask a painter live it is a weekly live facebook show where i use my almost three decades of experience being a master craftsperson person and a paint business entrepreneur to answer any of your questions um today we are co- we are continuing the mastering the basic series so every year every winter when we have a little more time to work on our businesses I go through this series of steps to professionalization. So these are things that myself and other paint business owners know to be true. Things, basic steps that we need to take uh, to limit the emotional roller coasters of running a business, right? It's all, so you could categorize this stuff as sort of the boring, the mundane, the unsexy sort of things of, um, uh oh, we got no audio, hold tight here. Do we have any audio on Facebook? Give me a quick audio check. Can you guys hear me on Facebook? (laughs) Sorry, we got a new piece of software here, everybody. Hold tight. Okay, sounds like we're good. All right, Lily's Property Management. Sounds like you need to turn up your computer. So, all right, here we go, folks. All right, back to the show here. Uh, We go through the steps to professionalization, right? Um, So these are the things that we all have to do to run professional businesses, right? Every single person, every business in in the world does these basic things. Most paint businesses do not. That's why I want our industry to get better. Uh, The PCA, the Painting Contractors Association, also wants our industry to get better, and they want everybody to improve. So what I do is many, many people from the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association, and others have helped me greatly. They have given me pay scales. They have given me employee resource guides, employee manuals. They've shown me how to be a good leader and things like that. So now what I'm going to do is, in turn, give that to you guys. So I will give you my email address at the end of this, and I will give you all of these resources. If you email me, you mention the, this show, the standards and deliverable show, and I will send you pay scale. I will send you employee resource guide. I will send you goal setting and review meeting. I will send you all this stuff that's taken me a decade uh, to craft uh, because I care about this industry. I care about you. And we're all going to make this better. So, as always, folks, right now we got a bunch of people watching. We're dual streaming over on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, and on TikTok. Right now, what I want you guys to do is share this stream on Facebook. Get it in the groups. Get it in painting contractors. Get it in cabinet refinishing. Uh, get it in paint ad. Get it all over your feed. Share in your feed. Share in your story. Instagram. Share in your story if you're able to repost it. This is the kindest thing you can do for me, folks. If you like what you see here, we need to attract other people. If you also like what you see here, the Painting Contractors Association, there's a link in the show notes uh, on Facebook. If you want formal training in this stuff from people like me, you can actually join a cohort of eight to 12 people and there's a facilitator and there's a learning management system where we teach you all the steps to professionalization with other people at your stage of business in the PCA. That is called PCA's business training. You can go through the foundations course, the accelerator course, or the legacy course, and it's all there for you guys. So the kindest thing you guys can do for me, the kindest thing you guys can do for me is share this show, get other people involved. Um, I truly, truly want uh, what has been given to me in this industry, which is people helping us, people helping making better lives. We can take care of our families better. We can take care of ourselves better. We can take care of our community better. For the love of God, this show, if the treatise of this show right here, Standards and Deliverables, is how to be a good boss. How to take care of your people in the best possible way. Give them the best possible opportunities. Pay them the most. Make them the happiest. Do the most amazing work. That's the treatise of this show here. So let's get into it. And we will will start some sharing. Okay. All right. Do, 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 there we go. All right, so today we are talking about standards and deliverables. Hang with me, folks, this isn't as sexy as trying out some new cabinet enamel, all right? But here are the things that will make your life so much easier, right? We're gonna talk about job descriptions. We're gonna talk about competency and metric-based pay scales, not based on our feelings, right? We're gonna talk about GSRs, goal setting and review meetings, employee handbooks. Now, I know, right? You wanna throw up into a trash can when we start talking about this stuff, right? I used to rally against this stuff. I think that's all corporate, we don't need any of that stuff. Ever since I started having an employee resource guide in my company, My employees have been able to breathe this breath of fresh air because it tells them how do they request off? What are the standards of employment, uh, employment law, things like that? It's just a standard in which I can hold them accountable and they can hold me accountable. It's just this beautiful little system we can all operate in. Training. You guys know us for training. Apprenticeship 2.0, right? Our Decent Human Being Theory. I'm going to show you what that looks like and I'll actually share with you uh, my training schedule. And then, of course, the most important thing in business ever is accountability. If we don't have accountability, if we don't have accountability, none of this works, right? So make a pay scale, throw it in a file cabinet, don't do anything with it. It's completely useless. So, all right, folks, here we go. rocking and rolling. some quick notes, right? Hear this before? If it's not written down, it doesn't exist. You need to write this down and you need to use it, right? All of these resources are useless without accountability. All of these things, even if you do write them down, even if they do exist, they are 100% useless if you don't administer them as a professional manager, right? Here's the deal, you must train, review, and give feedback during training for it to be useful, right? You can't just say, well, I'm gonna show you how to do one thing once, and then peace be on to you, have a great career at my painting company, right? You, we, the entire industry needs to be constantly involved with these beautiful human beings that are coming to our businesses looking for a better life, looking to be inspired, looking to learn a craft, looking to know what loving their job is, right? It takes constant interaction from us. We need to be in there. We need to lean in to our business and our people. Right? So always remember this folks. This is a human business, right? So think about Trades V1 versus Trades V2. I have been in the uh, in this industry for 30 years now. I got raised at a very young age in this industry where Trades V1 to me with love and respect, I'm not I'm not dissing our trade. Um, Trades V1 was a bunch of old grumpy men screaming at young people, right? And a lot of us stuck around longer than we should have. I'm glad I am glad I did. I'm glad some of us did, but nobody younger than us is going to do that nowadays. So uh, let, let us not turn into the old grumpy men who scream at young people, right? There's a whole bunch of bright minds, entrepreneurial minds, people seeking this beautiful craft and the knowledge getting into this industry. And we need to be in there. Um, Trades V2 is a lot different, right? I've had to completely uh, change how I operate, how I lead, how I manage, um, how I do everything in a business uh, to make sure that these great, young, decent human beings are finding this craft and finding something that they love. Now, I also want you to understand that there's a huge difference between a technician, a manager, and a leader. A technician is the person who does the stuff. You know, it it is the painter, the master crafts people, the crew leaders, the things like that. There are the managers, the people who who manage the day to day operations of those. And then there's the leaders who manage the managers right now. It is 100 percent possible for somebody to go from technician to manager to leader. I will be very honest with you. There are not many people who have the risk and reward profile, the work ethic or the personality to make that transition to all three. There are some people who can operate between the few. But the biggest part between technician manager and leader is when you move from technician to manager you have to understand what accountability is you have to understand what managing others on the day-to-day things holding micro accountability leading others inspiring others just because one of your senior technicians can't make the leap to manager and hold others accountable doesn't mean they're a bad person it just means that there's a huge difference in the personality that it takes to win as a technician and a manager and likewise there's a huge difference in the personality type and the developed skills between a manager and a leader. The problem in most paint businesses, we are technicians. We always start as painters and then we become leaders in the business and we completely forgo and forget that manager part. That manager part is very, very important. The most successful home service and trades-based businesses in this country are ones that do management very well. Now, everybody throws manager. Somebody's been around their company for five years, so they call them a manager, right? A manager is a very specific thing. It's somebody who holds the day-to-day accountability, who can be consistent, not extreme, who can look somebody in an eye, lean in. If something's not right, they immediately go over to that and start addressing the problem. They listen, they take in information, and they start making good decisions and they take care of their people. If we're gonna be honest, everybody, most of us are great technicians and pretty good leaders. We completely forgo the day to day management because we're just goers, we're technicians, and then we got it. We're visionaries. Our heads are in the clouds and typically visionaries aren't great at management. So I just want you guys to know that um, in the transition of my company from this, you know, grower, founder, scaler firefighter sort of type into a large, professional, stable, consistent company. I've had to completely change what I do. Yes, I am the leader of this company, but I had to completely put on a different uniform and become the manager of this company where we're not, doing, we're not doing extreme things anymore. We're just consistent. We're in there every day, managing all the little levers, all the little things, supporting all your people on a micro basis, not a macro basis once or twice a year. So again, traits of a good manager are consistent, not extreme, day to day, hour by hour, minute by minute, consistent. You're inspirational. Right, I believe you should be the happy one in the office. You should be the one there to cheer your people on, bring out the best in your humans. Right? You got to have proper emotions. It is not wrong to show emotions as a manager and a leader, but you got to have proper ones. A lot of times, we have this hair trigger, this knee jerk reaction to either offer solutions or reprimand people. Um, a good professional manager should should pause, should be considerate, should ask a lot of questions, and maybe sometimes just pause and think. For a second. When you talk about people's pay and compensation, it must be perfect. It must be right. It must be simple. It must be transparent and it must be predictable. And if you mess with somebody's pay, even if you correct it in the end, they will never think of you the same. And it's not fair, but it is what it is. Because I know we all have good intentions, but you cannot mess with people's pay and comp in a way, because that is the one thing that they hold so dearly and they will take so personally. And as good managers and leaders, we need to get it right. We need to celebrate wins, right? I just did this the other day. It's the 16th anniversary of my company. I completely blew past the anniversary date. I found myself in an airport three days after my anniversary and I just posted and uh, yeah, I don't celebrate wins very well. We need to be the champions of our people and their wins, right? And empathy, listening, and grace. Now, what I'm not telling you to do is lay over, uh, lay down and let people walk all over you and don't hold accountability. There is a beautiful way, when, when, when we say empathy and listening and grace, you still have to hold the standards of your company and employment, right? People can have a lot of feelings all over the place. But the most important thing is that we pause and we listen and we ask questions before we just need your reaction and offer people all sorts of solutions, right? Job descriptions, that's the first big one right here, okay? So number one, we need a job description. Um, Worst case scenario, uh, uh, a year or two ago, I was contacted by a painter in Pennsylvania and said, hey, I hired somebody. And a couple of weeks in, they refused to get on ladders over six feet tall. And this guy was just incessant. He was so angry. It's like, I hired this guy. I hired this guy. And it's just like, he won't go on ladders anymore. What am I supposed to do? Of course, he's got to go on ladders. And we had a very tense conversation uh, after I asked him, uh, what's his job description say? And he's like, well, I didn't. There's no job description. I hired him as a painter. Of course, he's going to climb ladders. It's like, listen, you got to side with the employee on this one. If it's not written down, it doesn't exist, right? In my company, this is our job description. It's a two pager. This is page number one. And on the bottom of that page, before somebody even enters my company, it describes, here's the craft, interior, exterior, general stuff. There's some basic employment law, but when we start, how you get paid, things like that. Somebody has to sign and date this before they even enter my company so that we're on an even basis there. I I usually craft these about the FAQs, what people want to know most. You also have to put in there the keys for being successful. People have to know what a win is, what a loss is, right? And just like how we do with our estimates and things like that, proper expectations, right? We need to let people know. If somebody says, hey, listen, eventually, can I work from home and is this a flex job? Can I come and go as I want? And you tell them, well, listen, we can discuss that in the future. That employee will take that as 100 percent. That is a work from home, flexible job in the future. Um, when somebody comes here and says, well, hey, how flexible is this job? I say, well, if you sign up for a full time painter, that is 40 hours a week, Monday through Thursday, seven to five, two thousand hours a year. If you want a different arrangement, we have a completely different pay scale and stuff. But if you want this pay, you want this benefit, you want to sign up as a full time employee, then we have an agreement. You offer me a certain amount of hours in production. I offer you opportunities and a paycheck. And together, we need to fulfill that uh, obligation together. If one of us does not do that, if you're putting in 80 hours a week and I'm not paying you, I'm a bad person, right? and I haven't fulfilled my obligation. If I create all the opportunities for you and pay you all the time and you're only working 32 hours a week, you have not fulfilled your obligation for our original agreement. Now, it doesn't make you a bad person, Uh, I I maybe may even be able to move you to part-time, but you're going to lose a lot of the benefits, a lot of the pay scale and everything else because it's a part-time job, right? Something like that. So setting proper expectations is a huge, huge thing. Huge thing. So let's get into... Give me one second here. I just want to make sure that uh, since we're testing out a new software before we go any farther, I want to make sure we're good with... Instagram here. Hold tight one second. Pause for just a second. Ah, on Instagram. Nice. Thanks everybody for watching on Instagram. Uh, I do appreciate you very much. All right, there we go. All right, so let's keep on trucking here, folks. Competency and metric base pay scale. This is an absolute, absolute, absolute huge thing. I have taken so much pride in crafting crafting this over the years. If you get this wrong, all your people will leave you. If you get this wrong, you will set expectations so high that nobody will get them, they will get discouraged. You set this too low everybody will constantly win it'll create a um a culture of laxness uh of, of sort of and things like that so humans operate best when they have reach goals that are pretty easy to get but are not a given they have to have some effort it makes humans better having constant reach goals right but you don't want to set goals so far out of place here's what I've crafted over the years. I'm going to give this to you guys. This is something that um, I would consider if I had this 15 years ago, my company would be completely different now. I've had to uh, run this uh, trial through my business over a lot of years, right? So this is one of the most valuable things that I can give you. Now, I would urge you to give it a sniff test. I would urge you to adapt it to your own area, uh, your own business. and like that. But the basis of this is, when I think about pay, it has to be simple. It cannot be complicated. It has to be predictable. People have to know what they're going to do. If they work really hard, there should be an equivalent award for it. It should be measurable. To me, this is the light switch test. They either did it or they didn't. With nothing in between, right? Nothing in between. So it's very, very important that it it is a metric based system based on their performance and not work. Right? But I I certainly believe that the worst thing that we can do as leaders and managers is to maybe sit down once a year and then based on our feelings, give people a raise or not a raise, right? And that is disheartening to employees, right? So the basis of what I do is my theory behind all this all is we have pretty high standards in this company for attendance, job performance, quality of work, and everything else. And in turn, I feel like I need to highly incentivize my people to do it because if we have insanely high standards and we push our people all the time and we don't pay them very much, that's a pretty obvious equation right there. That they're all going to be right, eventually. So here's what I do. Basis of this is uh, I've, I've laid out four-year plans, one-year plans, two-year plans for everybody. Basically what I do now, I, I concentrate highly on the first year of somebody's employment. 90% of the humans who come to my business have never painted before or never been in the trades before. So we put them into the apprenticeship program. On day one, I onboard them, right? We're gonna get into that later. Then they enter a week of training. Uh, With a master craftsperson oversaw by myself where we teach them painting and then we teach them cabinet and trim prep and painting in the shop. We don't do any exterior stuff, right? We'll get into that later. I sit down with them four times a year and rate their performance. I have done all sorts of things. We've done personality testing, frost skills, bird skills, things like this. To me, there are two things that will allow people to get four raises in their first year. Every three months we sit down and we rate their attendance and job performance. I will give them $1 an hour raise every three months. And in my company, get this. We work a four-day work week. If you work 50 days in my company, you're eligible for a $1 an hour raise every 50 days that you work in my company. Right? That's called a highly incentivized plan. Right? Now, here's the thing. It's a very strict performance-based system. You have to work 2,000 hours a year. Basically, that's 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year. We assume you have two weeks off. We have 52 fridays off a year and everything oh, let's see tom schuster sound is going from clear to sounding underwater please let me know everybody else if you guys are having the same experience here uh, i want to make sure you guys are all getting this and on ig give me a quick sound check too i just switched to setting here um tell me on ig if you guys can hear me okay all right so Yo, we're running my road mic through something here okay sounds good it sounds like some people are having some unique interactions uh, with some of the sound and video here, uh, otherwise everything looks okay. All right. So um, now, most important thing about all of this is that it is their performance and not your feelings, right? Now, what I will, what I will tell you guys is that some people have some very adverse reactions to seeing this. Most humans, including us, have never had a job where performance was purely quantified, right? So typically how it works is you're you're working at Target as a cashier. And then once a year, maybe you'll sit down with some manager that you really have interaction with. And they will tell you, hey, you've done okay this year. We're going to give you a dollar an hour raise. And you're like, "Okay, thanks. Uh, What can I do for success next year? Keep it up. And there's not really any metric based stuff here. Or you sit down with that same manager and they go, you know what? Your attendance has been a little spotty. And you know what? We feel you could do a little bit better. So we're not going to give you a raise, but try again next year. And you will probably get angry and say, well, listen, I felt like I've worked very hard, and I felt like my attendance is great. What can I do next year to improve this? we do better, right? That is a disheartening way to treat your employees, right? We need to be better than that. We need to be much better than that. So here's what we have to do. First. I am a, I'm a believer of something simple. And again, I rate people on attendance and job performance. You must work $2,000 a year. That's a 40-hour job. If you sign up for a full-time job, that's it. 500 hours a quarter, basically 50 working days, 10-hour days for your work week. You do that, that'll make you eligible for a $1 an hour raise every quarter of the year. Now, the other part about that is job performance. We come up with uh, project budgets, and I'm going to show you the exact formula later on in the show. You must hit that hourly budget 75% of the time. I've messed with all these numbers. We've gone as high as 90, 95%. We've gone as low as 50%. And what I found is that if all of my craftspeople all of the time hit 75% of their hourly budgets, the times they hit and go over make up for the times they don't hit and go under. So they will. we will still achieve the goals of the company, getting 45% growth and, and all that stuff. We'll hit our revenue and profit goals. If my people hit 75%, if they go under that, now we have a problem. Now we're not gonna do that. So. Um, we basically, uh, I'll show you the, uh, I'll show you the formula later. But there's an hourly budget for every project, and you either hit it or you didn't. And it's a thing that they know because they make a project plan every day, and we, we obviously help them with that. Now, in my company, there are three ways that you can interact with your pay scale in my company. You fall into three buckets. The first bucket is you've worked at least 500 hours and 75% of your jobs hit. You are going to get a dollar an hour base. There's ones where you do get 75% of your jobs. And you didn't work 500 hours, but you didn't fall below missing more than 8% of the time or 65% of the jobs. You keep your job, oh, your little coaching. If you fall below, if you miss more than uh, 8% of your of your attendance, like that, and, which basically means you're missing another two weeks out of the year, uh, and you fall below 65% of your jobs hitting um, uh, their, their hourly budgets, we put you on a performance plan with an end date and you have to improve your performance. Otherwise, you can't be employed here, right? So that's our way of, I don't want people to leave my company. But at the same time, if you have a very low performer or maybe somebody that doesn't meet your core values, they're going to drag everybody else down as well, too. So what your people want is you want to be empathetic. You want to coach, develop, and mentor. The problem is if that person, while you're coaching, mentoring, and developing, bringing everybody else down, everybody else is going to think about their job quite a bit. So you have to have a very quick way of saying, is the standard of the company, if you don't need it. I'm here to support you, but you have to be that because I will coach you till the end of time. The problem is, you're going to start affecting the other people that I know in this company. We can't have that so in the real world out here. I would pour endless resources into you. The problem is, I'm going to lose my beloved people if we do that. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, let me go through a question here. Scott McDowell, have you found, hey Nick, uh, have you found more of a challenging getting a painting veteran incorporated into your organization versus molding somebody new? I found that with some in the past, you give an inch and they take a mile. Maybe the age gap, myself and the help, just an observation. So here's the deal. What I truly believe is that people are gonna do what they're gonna do, right? You can have an amazing human being, but if they're going through mass personal chaos of life, they may not be a pretty person that fit. Right? So, Here's what I believe, Scott. If you don't have a job description, a pay scale, a goal setting and review system, a performance-based metric, an employee resource guide, a training process, and somebody doesn't work out, it may be due to you not having those, right? And setting proper expectations. But if you have all these things and you hold people accountable and you train them and they still don't work out, they were never gonna work out. The best part is they're gonna fall into one of those three buckets and immediately, if you take on, all right, we've all we've all heard about the proverbial crusty old painter that comes to us with twenty years of experience. They're perfect. They do everything. They ask for a lot of money. right We we offer those people a lot of money too. If you say you have twenty years of experience and you can produce at a certain thing, I'll put you on an elevated pay scale. And then uh, there's a probation period for every one of my employees. You have either between you know fourteen and thirty days to show this improvement. And if your attendance is not there and your job performance is Put you on a performance improvement plan. And if you have one week to fix it, and if you don't, you're just fine and, and so it takes all the feelings out of it. It's all metric based. And so, Scott, whether people give or take a mile, honestly, what I do know is that I can never predict that. You may be able to step out a little bit, but I've been wrong with them past about that sort of thing, too. So, really, the best thing you can do is set proper expectations, get it in writing, hold them accountable, chart their improvement. And if they make it, they make it. And if they don't, guess what? It was a great trial shake their hand and say, peace be on mm-hmm. you, right? Something like that. But you have to get the feelings out of it because there is nothing. The business owners are super caring, super loving, and they drive a lot of their self-worth from the happiness of others. That's unique in our industry. And uh, no, no greater example of that is when one of our people that we've poured our life into, mm-hmm. choke the blade off, doesn't do a good job, doesn't follow the standards. No, we've trained them, we've given them everything. Problem is you need to remove the emotions from that and just say attendance and job performance. That's my goal. So, Scott, um, please email me at the end of this, get my resources, get those in your business, and magically copy yourself with less friction. So, okay. So, performance-based pay, project budgets. How do we actually hold people accountable to project budgets? Right? What you cannot do is say you did a good job on that one, good. Or you did a bad job on that one. And the problem is if that person hustled ass and did an amazing job. And you said, that still wasn't a good job. You need to tell them why. There needs to be a metric based system there, right? So what we do is this, there's site budgets and shop budgets. And uh, this is my job. I work with her. There's a little bit of magic. This is a very simple way to figure out how long the job should take you. You can insert any of your numbers here. I'm gonna show you how my company does it. So site budgets, we take the revenue from the job. This is the number that you're gonna charge the person and that the person's gonna write the checkout for you you're going to minus materials out of that. Because when we think about how many hours a painter gets to do a job, they don't get the budget for materials as well because my project managers are in charge of all of the materials, things like that. So what we have to do is remove materials from there. Now, you may say, Nick, we're starting a project. We don't necessarily know how much materials we're going to use in this project. Here's the deal. The industry standard benchmark is 15%. So what I do is you take the revenue minus 15%, 15%, 15%, and then what you want to do is divide that number, that that dollar amount, by how much revenue per hour you would like to make. And here is where the secret sauce comes in, which is great. Call it a million dollars an hour. Well, nobody's ever going to hit it. If you set it at $40 an hour, everybody's going to hit it and your company's going to go bankrupt. <coughs> so what I've found in my market for my decent human beings, we set that at 65. It probably should be at 75 or 85. But again, I want these people to get wins, it can support the goals of the company, but I have to be a good financial manager. Um, and yeah, we just want my people to get with. And I've done the math. And if every single one of my humans produces $65 an hour with no callbacks over the course of the year, we'll be a very profitable company. Now, people have their days, right? I've seen even my best people have something going on in their personal life. And they go down a trough, and they go up a hill, and they have highs, and they lows, and all this. But overall, folks, this is where I set my budgets right now. So if you have, I I pulled up one jump sheet here, it's a $6,315 job, it's a cabinet painting job. Uh, We take out 15% materials, we divide by $65 an hour, which gives us 83 hours to complete this job. Now, here's the thing, we have a finishing shop where we bring back the doors and drawers. So now what we're going to do is we have to remove the shop budget. Here's how I come up with a shop budget too. This is something that people ask me all about. They have infinite amount of questions about it. It could not be easier. I think people overthink this. I allot in my company a budget of 20 minutes per door and drawer for cabinet finishing. That's from start to finish. Prep, prime. Prep again to the top coats. Front, back, all the sides, 20 minutes per cabinet. door. If you have, on this particular kitchen, it was a small kitchen, 27 doors and drawers, uh, we took 27 doors and drawers times 20 minutes per door, then we divide by 60 because we need an actual hour count, not minute count, right? And that, oops, sorry. go back, go back. That gives us nine hours in the shop to tw- to finish 27 cabinet doors. Uh, if any of you guys think that is too high or too low, I will show you exactly uh, how we finish cabinet doors. If you'd like, that is an infinitely hitable, reachable goal for that stuff. So, um, uh, I think people spend a too much time they overthink they overdo almost everything um if so the thinking is if you had if you had four sets of cabinets in a shop and one person a you know, beautiful pristine highly efficient shop they could do four 27 door-in-door sets of kitchen cabinets in a week um that's uh, just over 100 cabinet doors that is infinitely doable with somebody with a professional finishing shop and 40 hours of time 100 percent if all they had to do They have sanders, they have all the surf prep stuff, hooked up to HEPA stuff, they have uh, inspection lights, they have downdraft tables, they have mobile racking, they have a spray booth, they have a drying room. That is infinitely doable, and I can show you guys exactly how we do that if anybody has any questions about that stuff. So, But that's how we do it, folks. Uh, For passage doors, too, people ask me about passage doors. We allocate 45 minutes of time for passage doors. We rotisserie them up, we put them on the rotisserie them in our uh, fast rack equipment stuff like that so the the same the same thing goes for that which is we if, uh, if we have 18 passage doors to, uh, times 45 minutes per door divided by 60 18 passage doors should take you about 13.5 hours in a professional job start okay guys hope that, uh, that helps this is if you don't do this i don't know how you're going to hold your people accountable job right it has to be something so even if you give your guys an hourly budget it has to be a predictable way. They have to know how that budget comes up. If you rate it differently on different jobs, it has to be predictable. So, All right, everybody, we're going to pause right here. we got tons of people watching everywhere. I want you guys right now, everybody, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, share it. Get this in your feed. Get this in your story. Share this to all of the Painter Facebook groups, give or take. Get this out there so we can get more people like you guys in here watching. At the end of this show, I am going to hand you everything I own. I'm going to hand you pay scales, employee resource guide, the employee manuals, uh, training systems, um, goal setting and review meeting stuff. I'm going to give you guys all this stuff. So hang with me. Share this show. Get some more people out here. I really, really appreciate you guys so much here. So, oh, boy. Here, here come the questions about this. All right. All right. Uh, for the cabinets, 13 hours including drying time in between coats. So here's the deal. They're going to take the drying time. What we do in my shop is um, they chart their time on each step. So there's initial SVT and then prime. And there's SVT again, and then top one and top two. That person, if they're touching that cabinet, door, their time is to that cabinet. Door. And when you have four sets of cabinets running through your shop, when you're working on one, the other three are drying or in some state of drying. So here's the deal technically, that person is. That time is allotted to all that stuff. But what we do, that 13 hours gives you the time you touch those cabin doors, either with a sander or with a rag or with a spray gun. Give it a Don't overthink it, folks. Don't overthink it, folks. All right. Org chart. So here's the deal, folks. So, how do we come up with all these numbers? How do we come up with a job description? These things are not just out of thin air, these, these things are not just what you want people to do. A job description and a pay scale should be a reflection of what the company needs overall, right? Cuz we're the visionaries, we're the owners. So, you need to come up with things that support the goals of the company, right? So, this year, um, our goal is to do just over $3 million in the painting work. It's going to be 775 jobs. We have a job description that feeds into the interior and exterior painting and the craft that allows us to do the jobs and we'll hit the average job size that will support the revenue goals of the company. We also put the standards, those job performance standards, write it about the goal for the company, right? So if everybody performs very well, we'll hit all our goals. All those numbers don't come out of thin air. They're not this feelings test like that. They're not what I want to happen. They feed into the goals of the company. You take the big overall revenue and profit number for the company, and you break it down between all your painters, all your subcontractors and everything else, and then that's how you come up with these numbers. So this isn't, all these things need to be connected, right? So we're talking about the, you know, the pay, the job descriptions and the pay of all the painters, they need to feed in, but so do your estimators, project managers, office coordinators, and, and everybody else in the company. So number one, the org chart does that. You can actually lay out an org chart, you can lay out revenue per hour, and when you put a painter on there and they work 2,000 hours a year, you can say, well, if they produce $65 an hour, that's 2,000 hours a year. That's a potential revenue that one painter can produce to feed the overhead of the company, to feed their own pay scale, health insurance, retirement, all those other things like that. Very important that we do that. Put up uh, a org chart that's up to date all the time, by the quarter, putting those little pieces in there with revenue amounts on there will actually tell you what your company is capable of producing. If you need to hire more, if you need to maybe lay people off, things like that. So but it's, it's a visual representation of the interwovenness of all your people here, so. Employee handbook, oh my God, did I rally against this stuff here. Uh, oh wait! Before we get an employee handbook, let's uh, let Steve Lockwood. Could you quickly talk uh, how long these performance standard metric numbers to create? Also, assuming they have changed over time. Oh my God! Yeah, well, over the 16 years of operating this company, I have done lots of stuff. Right, I've done the thing where I've only used early on uh, to to give people payment. And as long as you overpay them, it's a, it's a great system, right? But if you if they even have the feeling like you're getting underpaid, even if you are overpaying them, it's a feelings-based system. They win and find another job. That's just how the world works. It doesn't even mean they're bad people, right? So um, really, it took me about five years of crafting, getting data, job costing, um, and then looking at, you know, uh, in, in the real world, pay people whatever you want. But the problem is there's the thing about the market. And if uh, landscapers in the summer pay people 35 bucks an hour and you're only paying your people 18 to pay, they may take that job. And you may tell them, hey, that's only a four-month-a-year job in Minnesota, and you're going to get laid off, right? They're going to work you like a dog. They're going to work you 14 hours a day, Sundays, evenings, all this stuff. And somebody will say, guess what? You're paying $35, you're $18. They may not have the future site to understand that come on October 31st, they're going to get laid off. They have no job and they got full unemployment. They make 400 bucks a week, which is not $35 an hour, right? But that's a real world out there. So uh, we need that's why in my pay scales, it's important that I lay out a long term path to show them pay benefits and things like that. So, yeah, I've I've stripped it down. The the pattern of my pay scale over the years, I used to do a whole bunch of stuff that painters sometimes could. not Right, That wasn't really predictable. It was meaningful to me, but not to them. So Now I took it down to the bare minimum, the things that matter the most to me and to them, which is attendance and job. That's been the strategy there. So, Justin Cowell, sorry I came late. Do you still use ScuffX or do you find gallery series more profitable with the quick dry times? So here's the deal, use whatever coding you want, the management of the humans and your standard operating procedures and the management of the standard operating procedures lend more to profitability than product choice. So I've used both. I love both. Uh, currently, my company uses Scufx. Gallery is brand new. I don't change my SOPs quickly at all. Uh, when we implemented in Scuff years ago, it took me two years of testing and trying before I changed it because my standard operating procedures are the standards. I do not willy-nilly change those things, OK? All right, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for watching on IG, 2 Love it, love it, love it, love it. If you haven't already, share, and let's get going here. All right employee handbook sweet jesus did i rally against this years ago right like oh my god this is corporate corporate nick i got an employee handbook right and i always thought it as like a weapon that businesses use against their employees and honestly most really crappy businesses do use it as a weapon against their employees i see it as a complete asset for my employees. It basically tells them all the things that they're allowed by employment law all the policies of the company so if they have a death in the family and they want bereavement leave, it actually just lays it out. They don't need to come to the boss and ask, right? Because if they have to ask and it's not written down, now it feels like a feelings-based thing, a feelings-based thing, right? Now they have access to it. They can look it up. It's a 32-page document in my company. I'll give it to you, uh, and you can use it for yours. It is a combination of just basic local, state, and federal employment law. But then there's also some stuff that's specific to us, like paying weekly and here's our pay stamp what accountability looks like and here's the interaction of crew leaders project managers and things like that but it's setting proper expectations right now i will say this you can't just have them willy-nilly signing this because you know nobody's going to pick this stuff right it's just like our apple iphone agreements how many of you sat there and read a million pages of the apple iPhone agreement? we don't do it right i also know our our uh, clients probably don't read our entire contract even though it's one page i also know that Perhaps some of my employees have not read all 32 pages, every word of this thing. You cannot wield this as a weapon. This is an asset. This is a common ground. This is a thing that you all can agree on, a neutral ground in your company that helps them and helps you. It just sets all the expectations, and it's accountable and holds you accountable to all these things. So just understand that if you wait for somebody to trip up and you print this thing off and, and shake it in front of their face, you failed as a manager and a boss as a manager and a boss, it needs to be trained. If somebody does something against the guidelines, whether it's a core value violation or a technical violation, coaching, mentoring, mentioning it, getting it right, sort of going through that process of sort of like, you know, to say, hey, you know, uh, when you sign this, uh, the standards of the company, this or if you want to request time off, here's the standard. You didn't do it this time, but I'm here for you. If you've got any questions, we'll do it together. If they keep doing it, now you have to, uh, you may have to act on employment, formally counsel, things like that. So. Um, Now, here's the thing. This is not a feelings-based document, right? I use it uh, to craft the goals of my company. I want to be legal and then some uh, based on local, state, and federal law. And every year I get this review. And in the last couple of years since COVID, I've had a lawyer review it a couple times a year to say, I want to be fair. I want to be even a little more. Like, there's a line where here's what you can do legally as a boss. I usually err on the side of a little bit of grace and forgiveness. Because one thing that we legally do in Minnesota is force mandatory overtime and fire somebody in if they don't take it. That doesn't feel great. Uh, it's not going to be great for your employees. It would be nice to do sometimes to get some more projects done, but it doesn't create a great culture. And so there are some things that are legal that you shouldn't do as a boss, and, and you just have to be careful of those things. So to me, this isn't what's the minimally viable thing I can do to be an employer, and I'm just going to do that. You kind of got to give it all a sniff test and then uh, choose where your core values are at. All right, training. This is a big one folks here. Uh, uh, Scott McDowell, before we jump into this one. Thanks for watching everybody. We have a ton of people watching this morning. This is absolutely awesome. Uh, at the end of this show, I will give you my email address. And then uh, if you email me and remind me of this show, 392, of course, I'm gonna send you everything you see in the show right now, all the templates, everything else. People have helped me in the past and I'm gonna help you. Uh, that's my, that's my uh, offering to you guys. When you started out, did you have bi weekly pay structure or bi weekly? uh, for, do you pay weekly? I did. Uh, so bi-weekly and bi-monthly is basically the same thing give or take, uh, minus a few little hitches in a, in a 52 week year. So basically the question is, do you pay them every two weeks or every one day? I started off as every two weeks because I, mean, listen, I don't, I, I, I get paid whenever in this company, right? Um, it also costs less to do half the amount of payrolls, right? It's not the end of the to pay the extra amount but when you sign up with a payroll company they usually charge you per payroll and then per check so if you have 52 payrolls instead of 26 you that that thing costs you twice as much over the year here's something that your employees will never appreciate never thank you for but they are appreciative for which is moving from a bi-weekly to a weekly it helps them manage their money a little better Uh, i've realized that um, a lot of uh, a lot of young people including myself when i was young maybe didn't manage the money as well as they could have, and having a weekly drip of money is good. Now, this doesn't make them bad people, right? This is not a value judgment. But when I moved from bi-weekly to weekly, it was a huge relief to a lot of my employees. Now, here's the thing that I'll never get credit for, which is it costs a ton of money. It costs twice as much to administer a payroll like that. And that's basically me as a business owner taking money out of my pocket, doing a nice thing for them. They probably either don't know it or don't appreciate it. Again, I'm not holding it against them. It doesn't even make them bad people. it's one of those things that i feel as a boss like this could be an immediate benefit for people cost me more but you know what i'm going to do them solid here we're going to do and it's just easy a lot one of the metrics in my company is weekly numbers and it really helps with those weekly numbers if you have weekly payroll as well too which is what we go through so claudia how are you happy saturday uh nick thank you for all you do thanks claudia appreciate that very much all right so let's talk about training folks people Ask me all the time, Nick, send me your whole training thing. Because people think that I'm going to send you something, a series of videos and quizzes or something, where you then take the thing I send you, hand it to a human, and they're a perfect painter at the end. Folks, I'm here to tell you a very unsatisfying answer. Success of your people is you And the people around them who train them day. It's not a document. It's not a video. It's not a quiz. It's not a test. Those can be great. You can use those things. But what you're going to find is that it's a day-to-day human act interaction the mentoring the coaching the developing the inspiration that does it so i have a one week training schedule laid out here uh, on my computer and uh, we have an xop that we train to right so my theory is that we don't have endless time to train people right so i train to the majority of what we do hanging fruit so what you're going to see is that in my company, we do tons of interior work. We do tons of exterior too. Um, a lot of our uh, exteriors are mainly uh, partners and subcontractors, but a lot of the stuff we do is very high end interior, wall, ceilings, trim cabinet, things like that. So, in the one week that people are here, we train heavily on the walls, wall painting, prep, two top coats, p prep, that sort of thing. We, we in fact, even created a 15 by 15 foot scale replica of a bedroom so that we can actually train in an actual bedroom space, replicating Uh, We also have a fake kitchen and a fake bathroom, Uh, and uh, we train them on the prep and painting of cabinets. Now, what we don't do is train them on how to stain decks. We don't train them on how to do painting the exteriors. I've just found that, you know, we do interior all year round. We do exteriors only for a short period in the summer, and if they have, to me, exterior painting is more of a mental headspace thing. You kind of either have it or you don't, Uh, but the interior stuff, I like to have all my people trained up. so that's what we do. Um, yeah, and it's based on deliverables and it's based on the standard operating procedure. Remember, uh, the first show this year, standard operating procedures. Uh, we have a 22-step process to make the walls in the bedroom. We train hard on those 22 steps. John Pritt, how you doing, my friend? Uh, do you do the training or, you do, or do you delegate? So I, as a master crafts person of the company, come up with the standard operating procedures, come up with the training, but I do also understand I can't take a week off of managing my humans. taking care of my people so what we do is we bring in some of the mastercraft people who are excellent trainers in the company and they come in and they do the training in our training facility but i do oversee it so i start off the day where i go through the standard operating procedure i show them videos time lapse videos images things like that of each step of the process remember the sop checklist versus the training sop this is where we take out those 62 page PowerPoint presentation, videos and time lapse and all this other stuff. And we show people in a training setting, a video setting, how to do it. And then we go downstairs and actually walk them through the steps. So it's a combination, but I don't do all the. So you know, I have amazing kids that do that with me here. So do, 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 do. Jessica Galloway, do you keep the SOP on site for them or follow or share a doc for them on their phone? So this SOP checklist, which I'm showing right here, we print off and laminate and they actually have a packet of Take whatever they want. They can mark on them with whiteboard markers and things like that. Also, in our Google Drive, uh, they have access to all these things that they want. So here's the thing, Jessica, <clears throat> about standard operating procedures: they reference them very highly in the first week of training. They look at them occasionally for the next couple of weeks, and then they never look at them again. That is a sign of a great training program. All these SOPs are intuitive. Right? There's no fat on them. There's no extra steps. And I know that it's a great reference thing for them. At, kind of like a safety blanket uh, for new people but really being honest after a couple weeks it's a very intuitive process and they don't look at them again I would consider that not a failure that they don't use them I would consider them a great success the quicker they can stop using them the better our training so that's what we do there so all right <clears throat> accountability this is a tough one I'm going to be honest with you guys most of you don't do this I didn't for the longest time if you do this you're probably not going to a lot of us came into this industry as great painters and great leaders and we're horrible, horrible managers. Right? We don't want to do the micro things. If somebody's late, we don't want to sit there and talk to them about why they're late. Say, oh, come on, just be just be on time so we can get the, to the goals of the company. And I can be like this. But best managers I've ever seen, the best painting companies I've ever seen, have a very consistent manager that's there handling the day-to-day operations, every little thing. Now, you you may say that this is micromanagement. It is not. It is great managerial support. A lot of times we fall into this thing of I've heard so many times, and I get the feeling that if you work in your own business, if you do anything, you're a sucker. You should be having a blue drink on the islands and, and everything should run itself. We also get the thing of, well, listen, I'm the visionary. I should be setting the goals, and everybody else should just show up and do everything right. You shouldn't micromanage. You should just delegate. If you're not good at something, have somebody else do it. That is. You're not good at the admin side, you need to create all the admin stuff. Who else is going to do it for your company? If you want to be a big boy and big girl and own a business, that is your responsibility. You need to create these systems. Now, you can ask for help, right? But the day to day administration, those things you need to do. You can hire somebody else to do it, but then the problem is you can hold that person down. And there's not very many truly great managers on this earth. So, what's the chances you're going to find a manager for your little painting company to do that? You still need to, every time you replace a task that you used to do, with somebody else doing it, you have just given yourself the new task of holding that person accountable, managing, developing, training, mentoring that human in that task, right? Instead of me doing the job costing now, I sit down with intern Jack for a half an hour a week, and you, every paint order, every labor hour, things like that, right? Just because intern Jack does the job costing now, doesn't mean that i never do it and i never been there again. It has to be correct. And you are the manager. Huge, huge ask of all of you is, this is an unsatisfying answer, unsatisfying question. You need to manage the daily micro of every single human in the company. Right? And you may say, well, Nick, that's not a way to grow and scale a business. Well, guess what? If you get to a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollar business, you can afford an operations manager or a general manager to do this for you. Until then, I would argue, unless you're past a $3 million company, you probably can't afford this. There's not somebody running your business for you. So guess what? You want to be big boys and big girls and own a business. you got to manage the daily, daily ins and outs. People will thank you for it, and your profit will thank you for it. I have the data to prove this. That's how we do it. So accountability. This is the secret to bringing your vision to reality, the day-to-day management, the inspiration, the mentorship of your humans. You need to find a system. I don't like accountability. I want people to just show up and do what they're supposed to and then I don't have to interact with them. I can pay them a ton of money. I can high-five them. Have great company parties and move on. Guess what? That's not how business works, right? I need to lean into my humans. I need to manage the day to day tasks. I need to celebrate wins with them. I need to coach them them, develop them when they don't do the things that this company needs or the Right, but in an inspirational, happy, sort of empathetic way. I found a system that works very well, which is four times a year I get together with all my painters and sit down and review all of the attendance and job performance. Once a week, I sit down with each person in my leadership team and have a one-on-one meeting where we review their numbers. Did they hit their goals or did they not? Facts, feelings, drivers, restrainers, things like that. Um, and then once a week, I sit down with all my leadership team and discuss system-wide sort of things that, that are working really well or things that we can improve. But you got to see the data, right? That is a lot. It's not a lot of meetings, right? But it's a lot of meetings. It takes a lot of time out of my week. And I look at my tasks. I'm looking at my, um, my email inbox now. There's 150 unread emails in there. Yesterday, I had 100. If I do nothing, I get between 50 and 75 emails that I need to respond to a day, right? So every time that I sit down for a one-on-one for an hour, that's one less hours of emails. But the problem is the emails are never going to be. That one hour that I spend with each person on my leadership team, or that one hour that I spend four times a year with my peers, is so valuable to make that connection and show That you're leaned in, not apathetic, empathetic, not apathetic. That's the opposite. Empathetic, mentoring, coaching, inspirational figure in your business. And nowadays, that's what it takes. It takes constant interaction with everybody. And guess what? After I've, after I found a rhythm that works with my personality, I love this now. I look forward to every interaction with my humans. I used to dread it because it was never a defined system. I didn't really know if it was worthwhile or not. Now I know. I wish I could spend more time. And the problem is i do have my job description like that so scott mcdowell solid point seems like a mountain to scale when reaching from sole prop to a mid-sized company I forget how big a company is before pms or operations yeah good step on yeah that's kind of how it is i know people who have done it sooner but it's a big uh, it's a big risk and you can say well listen I, I need to have somebody run my operations like great that's fine but the problem is if you want somebody who's really competent and a proven track record between $100,000 and $150,000 a year minimum, plus benefits and everything else. And you're still gonna to have to hold them accountable. And most painting companies, if we're being honest, 1 million, even 2 million, maybe even 3 million can't afford that. They just can't afford a true general manager, CEO, and you know, operations manager to do that sort of stuff. Um, at least anybody with a proven track record. So well, it's, it's just, it's an interesting thing. I know you can, there's a math problem that will prove it, but it's tough. That's a lot of overhead there. And the problem is most of us think, well, we hire that person, everything will be solved, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. You need to worry about it more, because it's not you. You need to worry about it more. So here it is, folks. Here's the email address. You guys can see it on uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok. You guys still don't have a screen share. We're working on that right there. Oh, super! how's it going? Uh, I'm watching through TikTok this morning. Thanks, everybody. So uh, we now have a screen share on Instagram and Facebook, uh, soon to be on TikTok. We're still working through that, but I did find a piece of software that finally worked. I just want to thank you guys for all this stuff. This is my email address right here. If you email me, you don't have to ask for all these things. You can just say, this is show 392 and I want the standards and deliverables and I will send you all these. Some are in template form, some are in document form, and uh, it's the least thing I can do. Now, the challenge is, um, typically, success in business has some combination of access to information and grit, and the ability for us to consistently do it. Here you go, folks, everybody who's watching, thousands of people on IG, Facebook, TikTok, things like that. You now have solved the access to information, right? This is not probably perfect. This is, oh, Bez, how's it going from Northern Minnesota? Past apprentice person in my company started her own business in Northern Minnesota. Thanks for the screen share on IG. It only took me seven years, Bez, Asha, we got it. We got it finally. So constant improvement, but uh, much better. So, all right, everybody, here's the deal. Email me. I'll send you these things. I dare you. Use them. Use them. Get them in your business. Your people will thank you for them. These are not punitive things that you wave in front of your people or you you use to reprimand people or punish them. These are things you used to hate Right? First time I put a pay scale in five, six, seven years ago, there's a huge side for my company because people knew what the potential was for pay And they knew that it wasn't a feelings-based system like that. So um, you'll get job description, employee resource guide, onboarding checklist, training schedule, pay scale, and goal setting and review meetings, stuff like that. Now, problem is we have removed the excuse for access to information. And now it's just basically up to you guys to do it. So the challenge is, what are you gonna do, right? We're now in December, we're in the last month of the year. You've probably got a lot of feelings, a lot of data about this year. You probably have a lot of big plans about next year. And if I know a lot of people, this is not me getting spicy and pushing back with everybody, but we have all these crazy plans. We have all these lofty goals for next year. And then we get down in the weeds and we don't do the things that professional businesses do. We dilly-dally around in the winter, we make a few documents and then spring so comes, we get busy, we and then we find ourselves back in December thinking, oh, I, I should have put that pace. I should have done this. I should have done that. Um, and then we don't. And then we don't. And then it's eight years later, we have mountains of stress, roller coasters of emotions. And then we start looking for a job somewhere else outside the painting industry. I will tell you this, everybody. I'm here to help you. I will send you all these documents EAG painting. Can you share your employee handbook? Yes. Look, look at my screen. Here's my Email address. You asked for the standards and deliverables, and I will send you my entire my entire employee handbook. You change out my name for yours, and you got a great start. Send it by your lawyer in your particular state to make sure that uh, there's not any weird, specific stuff. There you go. So all right, everybody. Uh, I'm going to scan for last questions here. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Great show this morning. Um, while, I, uh, I'm, while I'm scanning for questions, I'll give you a little quick update here. Uh, this has been an amazing year. I've learned so many things in business. I've learned so many things with you guys. I just got back from Central California, Visalia. Uh, Joshua Justin, my friend uh, in the industry, uh, Sequoia Painting, really spearheaded a master's class. Two master's classes during the day there. It was absolutely awesome. I got to meet all sorts of great contractors, most of them who have never heard of me, and never heard of the PCA, which is a great group because now we're kind of introducing people to this sort of thing. Amazing entrepreneurs now. Um, Joshua did something really cool too. We had a day of master's classes. We did market rate pricing experiments. So I rolled out the next iteration of that, which is I priced the same bedroom project all over the country for many years. We've now added cabinets and an exterior as well too. And I will tell you, we are now starting to collect market data for wall projects, for cabinet projects, and for exteriors from all over the country. We had such an amazing discussion after we anonymized, We anonymously estimated all these projects cabinet project, a huge exterior and a wall project and i anonymized it and showed them the high low and the, our average the market rate for the humans in that room in real time and it brought on some of the greatest discussions we have never had about that stuff people saying oh my god i don't know what the hell i was doing i never want to get that job and the majority of the room saying holy christ i gotta increase my prices right so it's eye opening and this friday minnesota i'm rolling out that here in minnesota uh we've always done the bedroom pricing experiment but i'm going to be rolling out the cabinet pricing experiment and the exterior pricing experiment and here's the thing folks i give everything away for free you gotta get that you gotta show up in person these things right this is special for my people who do this in person who segment out a day for me we do this together so looking forward to this folks um we have my yeah the minnesota master's class uh this friday if you want to go Talk to your Sherwin, Williams. will We're going to the Greco headquarters. We're seeing all the robots. Sherwin's putting it on, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, I have my company Christmas party that night. We have some awesome people coming. Uh, Phil Klein and his family's coming from Iowa. We have Chris Mull and his family coming from Northern Minnesota. Whole bunch of people. There's gonna be a pile of people there. We barbecued, uh, catered. We're at our local brewery. That's an awesome time there too. Uh, and then over the next couple of weeks, I think I'm actually pausing for travel before the holidays. I'm gonna get everything set for 2024. We're going to freaking kill it into it. Uh, we're going to take care of our people like we never have in the past. Um, so many things are going to all over the place. And it's time to share stuff with people, uh, the mentorship, the development, uh, the future of the company. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time. So, all right, folks, don't forget to email me. to share this show. I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, it's family time. My daughter's a varsity dancer. I'm going to see her dance today. I'm taking the other little scrubbers in there. Uh, we're going to load up the minivan and head out there. Um, have a great day, folks. Take care of your people, professionalize your business, and don't be a stranger in the industry, right? We're all here to help each other. Join me in the PCA, join me at the Expo, join me at all these events, and let's actually make our businesses better so we can take care of our people, right? Let's have a good weekend, everybody.